Hello and welcome to another episode of the Jimmy Rex Show. Today on the podcast, I have a special guest and it's former NBA superstar and coach Byron Scott. Uh, Byron won three NBA championships with the Lakers during the Showtime era in the 1980s. He was also named in 2008 the NBA Coach of the Year while coaching with the New Orleans Hornets. He also was the last coach to coach Kobe Bryant uh, at the end of his career, coach for the Cavaliers and the Nets. Uh, just pretty much has done it all in the NBA and one of the nicest humans I've ever had the chance to sit down and talk to. Really uh, set his mark with the Los Angeles franchise and just everything else that he did along the way. And so I enjoyed having this conversation, talking about some of his experiences with former teammates like Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So without further ado, let's get to the show with Byron Scott. Well, Byron, such a pleasure to be here with you, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for being on the podcast. My pleasure. My pleasure. You uh, you were part of some pretty fun teams in the '80s, the uh, the magical teams, those uh, Laker teams that were just yeah. so special, you know. Yeah. And uh, maybe take us back there. I mean, that was the first introduction you had to the NBA, all of a sudden you're just playing in the, you know, you're with Magic Johnson and, right, and everybody right. else, you know, James Worthy and, and yourself. I mean, you guys were quite uh, the team to watch. A lot of fun. Uh, never imagined starting my NBA career, you know, with the team that I had been in love with for so many years. I was a big Laker fan growing up, grew up mm-hmm. in Inglewood, California. So the form was literally 14 blocks away from me. So, uh, you know, being a part of that team from the beginning of my career, was a dream come true, you know, playing with Magic and playing with Coop, you know, guys who I watched, James Worthy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Sure. You know, Bob McAdoo, Kirk Rampus, you know, AC Green, I can go on and on and on. <laughs> it was, um, it was just, you know, like I said, I always told people, don't pinch me, I don't want to wake up. You know, I just, yeah. I, I kind of love being, uh, being in this dream. And uh, it, it was great and it was magical on the court as well. You know, the type of, uh, chemistry we had, the camaraderie we had, and the way we just wanted to do one thing, which is win. I think that's what made that team so special. Yeah, well, those Showtime Lakers, I mean, it's just, um, you know, the, there's a series out right now. I don't know yeah. if you've watched it or not. Oh, I don't yeah. know how oh, accurate yeah. it is or whatever. But Depends it's... on which one you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> there's been a few controversies as far yeah. as some of the, how some of the people have been portrayed or whatever. But one person I was going to mention is obviously Pat Riley was your mm-hmm. guys' coach. Mm-hmm. What was it about Coach Riley that made him so special? He was like us. He was driven. Mm. You know, he was a workaholic. Uh, man didn't sleep on planes when we would be flying back. He's up, you know, going over uh, plays and, and trying to just figure out, you know, things to do to keep us, you know, motivated. He, he was just one of those guys. He was one of the hardest working coaches I've ever seen. Mm. You know, I, I know that back in those days, everybody would say, well, you know, the Lakers, if you just roll, anybody can coach them. Just roll the ball out. That, that's not true. Yeah. He was the guy that understood how to push our buttons. Uh, you know, he was very demanding of us, which we, you know, we we expected and and we needed. You know, because we did have such a talented team. Uh, every now and then, you know, you would you would get a little, you know, a little. You start to feeling yourself a little bit, you know. And, <laughs> sure. and Rouse was one of those guys that would bring us back down to earth and just let let us know that. You know, just because we did well last year doesn't mean you know we're going to do that well this year. You know, so he he kept us. Uh, really going, and um, even to this day, I think he's one of the greatest coaches to ever coach the game. Yeah. Well, you guys had such a good rivalry going. I mean, obviously with the Celtics. and yeah. those I think yeah. you won three NBA championships, though, yes. right? Yes, yes. And so, I mean, you win those three NBA championships, and then 
um, you know, Magic obviously being the leader of that team, even mm-hmm. though Kareem, I guess he had several leaders on that team, but yeah. um, who was who was kind of the person that really got that team to to roll the way it was supposed to? Who was the leader of that team, or was there multiple of you? I mean, he, he, Magic was the leader. It yeah. was no doubt about that. Kareem was the captain. Magic never mm-hmm. um, disrespected him or, or overstepped, overstepped his, his boundaries because he knew that Cap had put in his time. You know, so he gave him that respect, and and as we all did, but we all knew that the the, the real leader of the team was Magic. Now, Kareem was the leader when he, Kareem was kind of like E.F. Hutton back in the day when he spoke. Everybody was like <laughs> listening listen because up. he didn't speak a whole lot. Mm. You know, so when he said, "Let's go out and let's kick these guys' ass," you know, it was like, "Whoa, Captain must be ready." Mm. You know, but emotional leader was Magic. There's no doubt about that. He was the guy that. Um, you know, got everybody going. You know, he was the guy that was so enthusiastic about playing the game of basketball, and it was very affectionate with all of us because we all felt that from him. You know, so you know, he was our emotional leader, our leader. Period. You know, we all looked to him when things were getting rough. You know, because he was gonna, you know, say the right things or do the right things. You know, so there was no doubt about it that he, it was his team, but. He would not ever say that because yeah. of Cap. When once Cap left, then you know everybody knew, and I think we all knew before that that it was his it team, was Magic's team. Yeah. Is there a? I, I like to ask you know athletes like yourself. You guys have so many cool, intimate moments that maybe the everyday fan wouldn't be able to see. Is there a moment that sticks out to you with Magic and with Kareem? Maybe you could share that kind of exemplifies just kind of who they were or how they were as a teammate. Something maybe a story that sticks out in your mind. Well, with with Magic. Uh, guys, there's so many stories. Because him and I and, and Coop, we hung out. Yeah, you, you know, were tight. We, we were very tight. You know, uh, we would go to movies together. We would go to dinner together. Uh, obviously, we, you know, on that basketball court, we were like, you know, one, you know, uh, between us. Uh, I think the one thing that really kind of simplifies who he was as a person is that uh, my rookie year, he, we, we had a conversation about, you know, winning the championship, and that's the year we lost. Yeah. Um, and he kept telling me, you know, when we win, we all win. And be, me being a rookie, I was like, yeah, we all win. I understand that. And he was like, no, you don't get it. The next year we win the championship, and I understood exactly what he was talking about because everybody in L.A. wanted a piece of you. You know, you wanted to, uh, people wanted to do commercials, people wanted to autograph sessions, you know, all these things, and they kept coming to everybody on the team. And I saw him that summer and told him how much money I made that summer on just doing appearances and things of that nature. <laughs> And he said, that's what I was talking about. I said, now I know, you know, when we win, we all win. Everybody on the team from one to 12 will benefit from us winning the championships, you know? And that's what he was all about. He was all about winning, all about everybody sharing in that glory. And I think that's one of the things that simplifies him the most is that it was all about winning with him. Yeah. Did that ever get exhausting just everywhere you go? People, I mean, obviously it's amazing at the same time, but ever get exhausting just having people everywhere you go trying to get a piece of you? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, when you're tired and people are trying to get a piece of you and then, you know, you, you don't act the way they expect you to act <laughs> yeah, you right. know, because you're tired or something happened. You didn't have a good day. So you're not very happy about things. And, you know, some fans just happen to catch you on that day where you, you want to just tell them to, you know, F off or something. But, yeah. you know, uh, you know, there, I think we all had those moments you know, like that. And, and I think most fans don't understand that because, of you know, we are human. We do go through the same problems that they go through, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, uh, when, they, when that does occur, you know, you either got to catch yourself real quick, you know, or you just got to try to remove your well, remove yourself from the situation yeah. as best you can. 
But yeah, I mean, you, you have those moments where fans are coming up asking. I mean, I was with my son at an arcade game, an arcade place in the marina. And I remember my son at the time, my oldest son, telling me when we went there, he said, can you not do autographs or anything today? Can mm. you just spend the time with me? And he was like 11 years old. Wow. And so, of course, you get in there and people start coming up. Can I get an autograph? I was like, no, I'm sorry, but I'm spending this time with my son. Some people understood. Some people got offended. Yeah. And, you know. You know, when they would leave, I would just say, you know, fuck off. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I'm with my son. Yeah. You know? If you can't respect that and understand that, then that's your problem. Well, but- I think as you kind of have success, I, I know even in my own life, you know, when I was in my 20s, I said yes to most things yeah. and most people. But then you get to a level where you realize that if I say yes to this, I'm saying no to a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. So if you said yes to those people, you're saying no to time with your son. Yeah, exactly. And as much as you want to say yes to them, exactly. it's at the expense of your son. You're not willing to do that. No. And so it's not that you're no. trying to be a mad guy or be a no, mean No, I'm not mean trying to be an, uh, you know, an asshole. I'm just right. trying to be... A guy that wants to spend time with my son. (laughs) Yeah. And like I said, a lot of people don't understand that because they look at the position that you're in and all the stuff that you're doing and this and that, and they don't realize that you still are a father. Yeah. You know, and the one thing I made a point of when I was uh, raising my kids is that I didn't have anything in my house that simulated basketball. Mm. You know, it wasn't basketball pictures of me or anything like that. It was... No, because that's, you know, that's what I do. That's not who I am. Yeah, that's cool. And you're never trying to push it on your kids because you're no. living your own life, right? Yeah, yeah. I want them to, you know, pick their own directions. Yeah. Well, when news broke about, you know, Magic Johnson, when came out that he had HIV mm-hmm. and everything, I remember where I was. Um, you were probably still playing at the time, I believe. Yeah, I was. Do you yeah. remember what, like, what that experience was? Yeah, remember it like it was yesterday. What, uh, you know, maybe walk uh, us through that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I can walk you backwards first because I know we were in Utah. Uh, we were about to play the Jazz in a preseason game. And uh, Magic flew to Utah with us, and then we got on the bus to go to practice that next day, and he wasn't with us. So he had flew back to L.A., you know, and we still didn't know anything about it, but we were just kind of – I know myself and James, we would always talk, you know, and I was like, what's going on, you know? And then we get back home the next day. We go to practice the day after that, and he's not at practice. And – um Mike Dunleavy, who was a coach, you know, right when practice ended, you know, we're all shooting free throws like we normally do after practice. And he said, uh, everybody, when you finish your free throws, you know, at the forum, you're mandatory. You know, you know, everybody has to be there. And I remember James looking at me and said, what do you think it is? I said, it's got to be something with Irv, you know. And not really thinking, just kind of blur- blurred it out. I said, I don't know, maybe he has HIV or something. Oh, wow. And James looked at me and we looked at each other and was like, Wow. Oh, shit. So, of course, we, you know, we get in the car. And I remember getting in the car, and I live right down the street from Loyola Marymount, about 10 minutes, 15 minutes away. And I'm driving, and it breaks news on the radio before I even get home. That's how you heard about it. That's how I heard about it. And I got home, showered. Uh, my ex-wife runs in the house, and she was, you know, like, did you hear? I was like, yeah, got to go over to, to the forum right now. Drive over to the forum, and... We're sitting in the locker room and we're just kind of waiting and waiting and, you know, uh, Buck comes in and he just like he was normal. You know, I mean, he just walked in and was like, what's up, guys? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm going to have to retire. I got the HIV virus and everything. And everybody in that room started crying, you know, because what we knew of the HIV virus and of AIDS is a death sentence. It was much scarier That's what we knew in 91. Right. Death sentence. So. Uh, really felt like we were just looking at a, you know, a teammate, a friend that wasn't going to be here much longer. Mm. And uh, it was devastating to us as a group. 
especially to myself. Coop had retired already, uh, and we had to go upstairs and watch him, you know, announce to the world uh, that he had HIV and that he was retiring as well. And uh, then we had to fly to Phoenix to play, and we, we, we wanted to boycott that game and not play at all. We went up there and played and got beat by 30, 40 points. You know, we, wasn't, we just wasn't there. Yeah, you sure. Know, it, it, was just a, it was just a tough situation. Was there, because yeah, I mean, it's now looking back, right? I mean, obviously Magic has had this entire life yeah. and he's healthy as ever. And, <laughs> you know, the viruses, they've done a lot of things to make right. people that have HIV right. be able to live normal lives. But back then, like you said, it was basically a death sentence. I remember when it hit the news, it was, I remember thinking the same thing, like, oh, he's he's dead. Like, mm -hmm. he's going to be dead in a couple of years. Was it scary being a teammate of his wondering, like, oh, I wonder if, like, I've accidentally contracted something by, you know, getting blood on me or anything like that? Never thought about that. Really? Never entered my mind. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when he gave me a hug that night or that day when he when he was going up to announce it, and he told me, "So I'm gonna beat this." You know, and I, and I know a positive attitude is what you need. You know, when you're dealing with anything, you know, that's that negative and that 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 impactful. Uh, but he just said, "I'm gonna beat this." They, you know, he said, "They get you know, God gave it to the right one." I'm gonna beat this. Oh, that's cool. And that man has done it for 31 years. Well, you know? What's cool is the way he's done. I mean, that, when you think of Magic Johnson, I've met him a couple of times with that smile, right? And yep. it's so infectious. And yep. you just see that this guy is truly living. He never let that get him down. He never let that overcome him. And he is. He's completely over, yeah. <laughs> overcome. I mean, he's now. he's the poster child for you know how to deal with you know a negative situation. For where sure. Everybody else thought it was like you and I. You know that it was a death sentence. Yeah. And, uh, he told me he was going to beat it, and you know, 31 years later, he's still here, thriving and doing extremely well, you know, you know, uh, physically as well as financially. I mean, he is oh, yeah. just—he's he, the magic he's, man. He's—he's the mayor of LA. He's the, he's the magic man. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, what's your current relationship with Kareem? Do you stay in touch with him? Yeah, yeah. Cap uh, still still uh, see him and talk to him. And, uh, you know, not weekly or anything like that, but, you know, every time I got him on my mind, I give him a call. If he don't answer, he calls me back. And uh, the same thing with James, the same thing with AC, the same thing with Coop, the same thing with Magic. Uh, those are the guys that I see the most, yeah. you know, and those are the guys I, I had the longest stint with. You yeah. know, I, when I got there, those are those were my guys, you know. And so, uh, yeah, the captain, love him to death, was at his 75th birthday party and just... You know, what, what made him great. special as a teammate or a leader? As a teammate, again, he didn't care about nothing but winning. Mm. He he really didn't. He he was you know he had you know every record and accolades that you can imagine. When I got there, I mean, he had planned on playing two years. I was blessed to be sitting next to him for those two years, and then he ended up playing four more years. Mm. So I I got to know him extremely well. Where uh, as in the summertime, he would call me and say, "Come over for lunch." You know, so we would have lunch together, and during the season when we would finish practice, we didn't have these great, you know, practice facilities sure. and everything. We were at Loyola Merritt, so we would go home to shower. <laughs> wow. And when we would leave that day for, you know, for trips, Kareem would come over to my house to shower. You know, I had our <laughs> housekeeper make breakfast and everything for us, and then my ex-wife would drive us to the airport. Wow. You know, so we got to be real close. Yeah. You know, so Cap, Cap is my man and uh, just somebody who I just have nothing but respect for. That's cool. Were you part of, I remember hearing that back then you guys had to fly commercial. Did you guys ever have to fly commercial or was that? Oh, no, yeah. We, that we, was part of it? Oh, yeah. We were on commercial. That's we crazy, had, right, yeah, to we think about commercial. now? We had to walk through the airports, you know, <laughs> sit sit down with everybody else, you know, wait for the first class, 
We did have the first class seats unless they only had eight and then uh, the four guys that were young, <laughs> you know, that had. And, and we didn't go by uh, how many years in the lead you had. We, we went by how many years you were with the Lakers. Oh, OK. Cool. So our, our, our pecking order was a little bit different, you know. So if you didn't have, you could have been in the lead eight years. But if you've been with us for the first year, you sit your ass in the back. You know, it was, yeah. it, that, and that's how we were. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I remember those days of walking through the airport and you know, Gary Beatty meeting us at the curb with our tickets and. We go check in and walk through the airport and you know, wait for the flight, and then we get on, and then here you come with everybody else that we get on to get in their seats and all that stuff. It was uh, people yeah. want to get photos or probably not photos. No photos. We didn't have yeah, we didn't have phones with we didn't have phones with 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 cameras and video and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, so yeah. there's yeah. probably a lot of perks to not having all the cameras back then. I'm guessing, huh? Yeah. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that yeah yeah well nowadays it's like as a player you really got to be so careful because every single thing you're doing you just have to assume it's being recorded it's being recorded know? yeah i just i'm in utah that's where i'm from i, I nobody knows me outside of utah, but in utah because of my podcast and my things i've done you know i'm mm-hmm. pretty well known and once a month, somebody will send me a video or a picture of me working out at the gym See, yeah, or like yeah. sitting at a restaurant. And, and I'm no like, idea. I'm like what is picture. going on yeah. here? You know, and I'm yeah. just a little guy, man. I can only imagine being, you know, star of the Lakers. Yeah, so yeah. I've seen myself on Instagram walking down the street with my wife, holding hands, <laughs> going to the movies, you know. And, you know, and like you said, it's, it's just that's that's how this is now. Yeah. You know? So there's really nothing you can do where somebody is not going to notice it. And if they notice it, they're going to put it on social media and then everybody's going to see it. Yeah, yeah. How was your uh, relationship with Dr. Buss? It was good. It was really good. Dr. Buss was uh, best owner in sports. Yeah, he seems, I mean, from everything best that I've ever heard, he was, what made him great? I think the relationship he had with everybody. Mm. You know, I mean, uh, you know, he had an unbelievable relationship with Magic. And you would think, you know, once it goes down, you know, down the, the chain line that it would get, you know, less and less. But I remember, you know, when I got into coaching and I got fired by New Orleans, Dr. Buss was one of the first piece, people to call me. Mm. And he was like, coach, when are you coming back in town? And I said, well, I got to wait for my son to finish school. When, you know, I'll, I'll come back then. He said, call me. I want you to come to the game, sit in the box with me. Uh, I did that a couple of times and we just talked. I mean, mm. he, he was just... You know, I was on a Southwest flight going to Vegas. He was on the flight. You know what I mean? Oh, really? <laughs> he didn't have his private jet. And he, he just came on the flight, walked right, you know, right, right next to me. and was like, hey, B. You know, and I was like, Dr. Buss, what are you, you know. And he, he was just one of the most humbling guys I've ever seen at, mm-hmm. that had that type of position. You yeah. own the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. And he was as cool as anybody you ever wanted to meet. That's you know, really cool. Talk to you about anything. Uh, basketball, uh, life, family, you know, he, he was one of those guys that would give you advice about anything that you, if you asked him. Mm. And he was just one of the greatest people I've ever been around. That's awesome. Well, speaking of your coaching career, I mean, you won NBA Coach of the Year in 2008. Yeah. Led the yeah. team to a surprising playoff run and um, had an amazing time. And then um, how many years did you coach, head coach in the league? Oh, 17. 17 total years. Yeah. Wow. I mean, what was your favorite, I guess, did you have a moment that stands out to you as both a player and a coach that was maybe a highlight for you? Well, as a player beating Boston in, uh, in 85. Yeah. In Boston, game six. Oh, was it in Boston, the it final game? It was in Boston, yeah. You know, it was game six. I, I remember my dad uh, would take me to the airport because I was, I was single and I had my little, my little dog, Roscoe, and he would look Cocker Spaniel, so I would have my mom and dad watch him. And he gave me a ride to the airport, and he said, so what do you think? And I said, about what? He said, well, game six, you know, you guys think you got a shot? I said, pause, we're going we're gonna to win in six. And he's like, you think so? I said, yeah, we're going to win in six. 
And so we went up there, we won in six, we came back home and he said, man, you said it was such conviction. He said, I thought you really was gonna go game seven, but I, <laughs> I thought you guys would win. But it, it, was, it, was, it was great for me because we were the first LA team to beat the Celtics in a seven game series. Uh, okay. So that's something that I'll, I'll never forget. Yeah. You know. Well, back then you guys had these rivalries that felt like they were more, the players were not wanting to be friendly. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, everyone wants to be best yeah, friends and things. chummy, chummy now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that, was that a little bit weird as a coach, like seeing that and experiencing that? Whereas you guys, because you guys didn't have that at all. Like. It was real, real weird, weird for me. I mean, <laughs> you know, there, there was a uh, incident when I was coaching New Orleans with Chris Paul, who I love, who's an unbelievable competitor. Yeah, he was a rookie with you, right? Yeah, he was when a rookie, yeah. Him? We drafted him in, uh, in New Orleans, but I was at his house uh, a couple of nights before we were about to play Utah, and he said that him and Darren Wills was going to hang out, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I, I was cool with that. I was like, okay, because I understand it's a different generation. But when he said, you know, yeah, he's going to spend the night, and then I'm going to take him back to the hotel, I was like, wait a minute, what? You know, <laughs> And then you guys got to go against each other the next day. I said, I just don't get it. I said, I just, I, I don't get it. You yeah. know, but it's, you know, and I mean, to, to their, both their credits, the game started as like, like they didn't know each other, yes. you know, but we would never right. do that back in the day. Never. <laughs> well, you hear, you know, the way that they talk about each other, the Lakers and the Celtics, and they're definitely, nobody was having sleepovers. Oh, no, hell no. We, you know, we, we didn't want to shake their hands. You yeah. know what I mean? It was, it was seriously you know, bad blood between the two organizations. Sure. And then you so throw the Pistons years. in there and some and then, of those other teams yeah. that were pretty brutal too. Yeah. And the Knicks, you know, yeah. had a tough team. And, yeah. Uh, that's awesome, man. Well, what's, uh, is there a moment that stands out um, is, you know, just uh, you've had this amazing life where you've been able to have this amazing career, mm-hmm. um, obviously getting put in the position that you did. So few people would ever be able to get drafted or get put on a team mm-hmm. where they have that kind of opportunity. Right, you got to right. just feel like blessed, but you, but yet you took advantage of every part of that, right? I mean, yeah. you earned it. You you stayed there and you and then you committed yourself and, and became that leader and coach and everything else. But just looking back on it all, is there just anything any where you're just like, wow, like was there a moment where you just had to pinch yourself? Like, man, as a kid, I never thought I could have had such a cool career. Yeah, I, I think uh, Kobe's last game. Mm. Against Utah. I guess, I guess Utah. I was yelling because, at the TV. Yeah, I'm like, somebody circle, want to play right. some damn defense? <laughs> right. It comes full circle. Um, especially since I'm from Utah. I was born in, in Ogden, Utah. Oh, you were? Yeah. I'm from Utah, so yeah, that's funny. You know, a lot of people don't. Everybody thinks I was born in L.A. or Inglewood. I was like, no, I was born in Ogden, Utah. I moved here when I was like six, seven years old. Oh, wow. You know, my were... mom and my dad weren't together. She lived in L.A. and he lived in Utah, but I was staying with my grandmother. And then my mom, you know, got with my stepdad, who was an unbelievable, who to this day I say is my dad, because yeah. he raised me. And uh, she called my my grandmother and said, "Send my child, you know, send my child. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm stable, basically." And so, yeah, I, I'm from Utah, but I've been in L.A. all my life. That's but, cool. Uh, yeah, Kobe's last game. You know, I, I just kind of reflected back on all my years of playing here in L.A. Uh, and then the you know, to, to have a opportunity to be with that young man when he came in the league and then to be with him when he's finished, yeah. you know, and then obviously the game that he had, you know, I mean, um, you know, I, I always pinch myself about, you know, being a part of the Lakeland organization for 11 years as a player, but the two years as a coach was just as memorable. Yeah. Um, and those are just two situations that I'll never forget. What, uh, 
I mean, it was obviously such a tragedy, right, with Kobe, yeah. and just such a huge, special human in every way. Almost one of those guys that's like, the flame has to burn quickly because it's too big for, to just mm. linger around here on this, you know, universe or whatever. But is there a, a Kobe moment that maybe you, you don't share often that uh, kind of exemplifies who he was as a person or a player to you? Yeah, there's a bunch of them, but, uh, you know, his, his last year, uh, going into that last year, I remember I was having a sit-down conversation. I said, listen, this is my goal for you this year. You're going to play a certain amount of minutes, so I'm cutting your minutes down, and I got to get you to game 82 relatively healthy. Mm. I said, that's all I want to do. Once we get to that game, I've done my job, and uh, you can play the way I know you're capable of playing and go out on your terms. I said, that's what I want for you. And... Uh, you know, throughout, throughout that season, he would call me sometimes at, you know, four or five in the morning. I was like, what the hell? Why are you calling me <laughs> at four in the morning? You know, he would be like, cuz, I don't sleep, coach. I just want to know what we doing tomorrow for practice. <laughs> so I would say, you're not coming. You, you're not coming. I don't need you to practice tomorrow, you know, and, you know, or this time I was like, just, just come in and get some shots up or something like that. Or some, most of the time he would just show up anyway, mm. you know, but I just remember those, those early morning calls where I would answer the phone and look at the, you know, look at the clock like, uh, showboat, really? You know, I, I already know it's you. you. You calling me this time in the morning? Oh, my bad, Coach. I wake you up? Yeah, you woke me up, you know? <laughs> but it, it, it was those type of moments also that, you know, you know that, that brings that smile on my face when I think about him. Yeah. You know, those special type of moments. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I can only imagine being a player coach for the Lakers. It was the biggest stage on the planet, and you were there for the biggest time when they were doing it. Yeah. So A lot of fun. Very cool. Well, thanks for the interview. It's been fun to, to talk to you, Byron. and it's, it's been fun. to I've followed you since I was a kid, oh, obviously. Well, thank, and, you. thank you. Yeah. Appreciate you. I appreciate it. All thank right. You. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. Uh, and this podcast was brought to you by Steve DeYoung over at Trillion Mortgage. I've, I've sold thousands of homes in my real estate career, and there's nobody I trust more than Steve over at Trillion Mortgage. So reach out to him, give him a call if you are looking to f refinance your home or to maybe buy a new property. Again, thank you for listening to the podcast. If you liked what you heard, do me a favor. This is a, this is a free podcast. The one thing I ask of my audience is to leave me a review. This just helps me to get better and better guests to let more people know about this show so they too can benefit from the Jimmy Rex show. So thank you again for listening and we will talk to you on the next episode.